even just like started because we're always laughing and stuff. The, the people that watch watch online, like unless they watch the full thing or listen to the full thing, they must think we're just like so serious all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like there's, never, there's never a smile in this temple. Yeah, yeah like, just always. <laughs> yeah, no fun. I love the that. The fun police are here all the time. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Because we do that to each other too. We point out point, the, point oh, out the flaws. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like sometimes it's very funny. I know. That's hilarious. Would you like me to... Uh, tee up the topic or do you have any other uh, i just wanted to say that i would recommend coaches to get the nick nurse book yeah i want to recommend that range book too yeah well and i want you to okay so what we were talking about earlier about uh the, the learning model i want you to yeah. I, i'm going to let you know when to say that okay sure. it's gonna be there at the end when we talk about uh multi-sports okay i'll make okay. a note about yeah. that because i think it's, it's going to tie into what i'm going to be saying real well Okay. Do you want to talk about that book for a minute? Yeah, or no? just you know what, coaches. If you get this, it's great because it'll open up your eyes. And and I was just reading something last night or the night before last night was something different. Um, just the preparation, the 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 perception, and um, the different things that you can do as a coach. I think it's really good, even though it's basketball and we're hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. Um, and it's not it's not like this is how I coach. This is what I do. He just talks about different scenarios and stuff and. You know, I think the other day I was talking about how he filled the whiteboard up with just uh, situational uh, plays that yeah. he, he would use. Last night, it, it, when I was reading, he was talking about what was he talking about? I told you, talking about oh yeah yeah yeah. He said the invention of like so like the three point thing. Yeah, so resistance, right? Resistance and change. We we all do it in hockey when they took out the red line when I played. It's like what the hell is this? Not, yeah. This is stupid. Uh, the fight rules, all these different things, instigators and dicing rules, and, and and a lot of times it turns out to be really good. So he was, he was talking about the three point line, how it was. Uh, it wasn't there before. I forgot the year it was it came in, and then when they went to implement it, like the the legendary coach uh, Red Auerbach was like, "No way, this is stupid. Don't change the game." And then there was a, quite a few coaches and general managers in that in that ballpark mm-hmm. or that uh, mind mindset and then they implemented it anyways and like the, for the first several years of nba basketball the three point the th- there's no use for the three point uh line it was like why would you do it and you get one or two a game mm-hmm. and then it started uh un- understanding it so he did a study of shooting and he said well it just makes sense to use the three point line number one is three points and the high there's the, a the higher percentage Shots are made from the three-point line there are in the tw- than the twenty-foot line because mm-hmm. you got more traffic. Just kind of like sp- just spreading out the defense. Yeah, yeah. He said so. He he was doing the scenarios of, um, you know, getting the ball to the get, posting up, getting the ball underneath because that's a pretty much a sure two points, or getting a taking a foul, getting the two free throws, taking a foul while sinking a ball gives you three points, and then three points from the three-point line. And people were really resistant on that, but you could see as the years went on three-point line is used and people you have a very good percentage if you if you use it so he had a rule with his team no 20 25 foot or yeah 20 foot shots 12 20 foot shots because you're in traffic none zero either get it out or and they had design plays or get it to the post kids resist or kids resisted it the players resisted it and all that stuff but like look at the game now that, yeah. I know you don't watch basketball, and I hardly do. No, I can appreciate that. But it's amazing, the, though. Like yeah. how many? Like you take a Seth Curry, and that's all I know. Steph. There's a few Steph Curry. Yeah. What do I call him? Seth. Oh, same thing. No, 
yeah, the, the curry guy. Yeah. And it's just, he nails it no matter where he is. Yeah, so yeah. like now you, and if you get it out, you, I mean, you stretch things out. So anyways, it was neat. The reason I say that is because when you, when you look at, and I want to do a little talk on this and maybe in a week or two is like different perceptions of what a coach is thinking and why they're thinking that, because, um, it's really interesting where the, where it, uh, where the genesis of his thinking comes from. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really neat how, how the game changes. And it was the same thing in hockey, right? Like, uh, the hockey used to be, let's just say in the nineties, uh, Jacques Lemaire implemented the left wing lock and it was just a defense, defensive trap system. Mm -hmm. And it seemed boring and stuff, but like it served their purpose because they won a couple cups. Right. And then people had to counter and stuff. So you just see how the game evolves when you read something like this, but it's nice to see like, if you put time and effort, obviously, into like some stats, some positional play, and like just really try to dissect how can we solve this problem? How can how can we use this area that's never been used? For example, Gretzky behind the net. Yeah, you talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, like if you would have if you would have told a player at any point before that to, you know, spend your time with the puck behind the net and or wait for pucks behind the net, people would be like, "Wait, you're nuts!" Right pucks over there but that's the open space and the, the net protected and you know and then just from that a lot of teams and coaches like obviously if you want the safe areas like when you're cycling pucks and stuff and and changing sides it's like using the back of the net is uh is a great tactic yeah thank yeah, you wayne. No. thank you wayne gretzky yeah and that's i think that's that's why it's good to, for people to go seek out the information man because it's easy to sit with your opinions on why you think this and that and if you don't ever read anything or listen to anyone else's thoughts on things, then you never know if you'll never f figure out where your thinking is wrong, you know? So that's why it's great when you've come across views like that. I'm going to save mine until you tell me to bring it up later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want you to, I, I, I will remember too. Yeah. I have a note of it, but I don't know when you're going to want me to do it, but if it, if it works then I'll, I'll work it in. Cause that, that book that I'm reading is, is pretty cool. It goes along the same thread as everything um, that we're normally talking about. So, um, so before we get into that, just, basic podcast stuff um we got the membership thing online obviously a couple people a couple more people have joined that too which is cool so thanks for that uh rating the podcast once again that's really helpful if you guys um that are listening a bunch of you are listening and we don't have many reviews on the on the podcast so if you guys don't mind taking a second to do that that's actually helpful and doesn't cost you anything so that's cool um and i'm working on a store I'm working on a store that I wanted to mention. So in a couple of weeks, we'll have a store up so you guys can buy some stuff that you see us wearing, shirts, etc. cetera. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I figure you guys will like that. And then we'll get some discount stuff for people that are members and, and all that jazz. So um, that's the podcast stuff. So today I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about, we were kind of flipping a coin on where to go with this, with this topic on which kind of thread we wanted to go. But uh, you, I don't remember, we kind of had a combination of people asking questions that kind of had a thread through it of more or less, whether you want to call it like managing your emotions or keeping perspective or whatever you want to call that, um, along that theme, we've had several questions where this kind of plays into that. So we're going to, we're going to talk about a few different things today, kind of all with that, uh, in mind from the, the parent parent player perspective mostly we might throw a little bit of coach perspective on some of that stuff but um i want to talk about that today because i think it's it's a uh, it's important and it's something we've been kind of talking around a little bit the last few episodes is just like being able to keep perspective because people don't people get caught up in what they're doing you know what i mean and it's uh 
it's like that with anything. It's not just your kid's hockey, but especially with your kid's hockey because you feel protective and want them to do well and all that kind of stuff. And then for the players, you get caught up in the game in the heat of the moment with a lot of these things, and it's hard to zoom out. Like you're mentioning with the Nick Nurse thing, like it's, it's hard to zoom out and see what the coach is thinking or see what the plan is or, um, you know, be able to handle changes that are being made and it can be frustrating. So I think it's a good thing to, to talk about. So the first one, we, we had one of the guys that listens, um, he actually writes in quite a bit to, to give us some topic suggestions and he was asking us about refs. So some of his questions were about a little bit more of the intricacies of refing, which is like the the actual job and how they're evaluated and, and that kind of stuff. And we, we don't really know enough about that part of it to talk about refs in that way. But uh, some of the things he was mentioning, I think you wrote it now, but some of the things he was mentioning were kind of like hometown refs, bad calls, verbal and, abuse, yeah, verbal abuse, dealing with refs in general. Yeah. So Incons- um, being inconsistent. Yeah. So he's kind of, kind of was asking like our, our general thoughts on that. So we're, we're going to take more of that thread with the, the stuff that has to do with the actual in-game as opposed to the profession of being a ref. But, um, but we'll start on that one and then we'll, we'll keep moving through. We got a few different ones here. Yeah. Yeah. When, when he wrote that, I was like, okay, this could be a good topic. But then I was like, I don't want to talk about refing because yeah. I, I don't feel like our audience is cares about a ref, like to a certain degree. And personally, I don't want to talk about refs because like, um, like their job and if they're shitty or if they're good and you know, I mean, Whatever I don't. That's not what I want to talk about. But I, what I, what I thought was very important talking about this is that, um, is that how people react with refs? Yeah. And, th- and so what I'm talking about is players, obviously parents, obviously coaches, obviously. Okay. So that's that's where we're going here. So I want to talk about fir- first youth hockey. Um, r- let's put it in real perspective here, okay? Because like I, I will never say I'm a fan of refs. Like I don't watch refs. I, if you tell me, like I got Mitch Dunning that used to work, train with me, and work for us as an NHL ref. Now my buddy Jim Sandlack and I trained his son Carter a little bit. He played uh, in the OHL, was drafted, in the, signed with Carolina. I think he's an NHL ref, so I know some refs. So I'm not saying I don't like refs, but the, my point of this is they get paid. All right, and they're judged by their NHL or OHL, whatever it is that they're getting that they work for they're accountable to someone yeah at the professional level yeah at the yeah. professional at some point you get you're accountable yeah. okay and that, that's at that at that point when people yell and scream at the refs i i don't mind whatever that's fine you're getting paid and it's part of the deal they yell at players and stuff too but when i when, when at youth hockey like let's put it in real perspective guys like this is coaches players and uh and parents understand that Referees, if they're, if you're if you're not in a junior college or pro level, they're probably kids, or they're adult males that are want to get exercise. I don't minimize it. Want to get exercise or make a couple bucks here and there. Get involved in the community. Get stuff. involved in the community. They enjoy hockey. It's the only way they can do it. They're probably not going to be the best refs in the world. Okay, they're inexperienced, and just like your son, just like a junior or college player, and just like a pro player, they're going to make mistakes. And now, now do, does anybody like it when they make mistakes? Of course not. But their youth, their youth, they're young. They're going to make mistakes. They're inexperienced. And it is what it is. It's, and, and the other thing is, is they're really, really, really hard to find. And they're really, really hard to keep. Yep, and it's sure. becoming harder and harder to find refs. So when we're watching a youth game, I want you, you know, everybody, 
including the players, because, you know, imagine if everyone yelled at you every time you did something wrong. And I'm like, I used to think like in youth hockey when I, when I used to watch them, like, you know, the one, the one problem I had with roughing, I guess, I don't mind mistakes. I don't, I don't mind any of that stuff. But the one thing I didn't like, this is one thing, one thing I didn't like about the refs is if you ask them a question, like at least when Charlie was a young kid, ask them a question. And I was always very respectful because they're usually kids and some of them were my customers. I'd say, hey, Eric, can you come here? And they'd give you the, hey, I don't talk to me. And they had that little power tripping stuff. And yeah. it was like they were shushing you. Right. That's the only part I didn't like about Russ because it was like a power tripping thing. And it used to irk me. So I'd, I'd call them over and say, listen, you know, I'm not going to yell at you. I'd be very calm with them. And I, said, I just, I want, I want you to understand that. Like for one example, <clears throat> we're, Charlie was a young guy. And we're playing a pretty important game. But anyways, we were, let's say it was a five on three for us. And, and we got uh, on a power play and we scored a goal. So, and he was calling a penalty and then the ref said, okay, everyone's out of the box. Now it's five on five. So I was, I was like, uh, what was his name? Fletch, Fletch. Anyways, Fletch. I said, Fletch. And he knew like once he thought I was mad though. I go, Fletch, Fletch, Fletch. So he's going down the ice and he goes after the period. I said, just come here, man. So he waited to the end of the period. and He was really shy to come to me. I said, Fletch, come here, man. Like he's like 18 at the time. I go, dude. I'm not mad at you. I said, I'm just pointing out, like, you understand that that should still be a five on three, right? He goes, I know it was my my mistake. I said, no, I know. I'm not mad at you. But just, you know, like, just when I want to talk to you, you know I'm not going to yell at you. I just want to ask something or maybe I I have something that will open your eyes. He goes, okay, thanks, coach. And I said, by the way, you got snot all over your nose. Hmm. And he started laughing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was like... I could like, the normal reaction on that is freaking out on the ref and yelling at him that it's a five on three and it's like, relax, man, relax. So, so that was like one experience, right? Yeah, I think the the human element part of it is that's the thing that people forget and they when they're in the game like they the expectation is perfection and if this is the problem with being a ref is if you do a great job nobody notices you and if you make a mistake everybody's all over you so it's just a th- one of those thankless thankless job so when people are losing their mind on the refs and stuff like that one is like okay especially youth like i said where there's like not big money on the line or or huge stakes it's like just calm down first of all but the human element of the game is what makes the game interesting too though right so sometimes you'll get a good call sometimes you'll get a bad call sometimes you get the bounce sometimes you don't and that part of it for me is what makes the game interesting and fun. Like if you have robot calls for every single thing and you have to stop for five minutes to review every play to make sure that it's exactly precise every time, you're taking a bit of that humanness out of the game. And we've talked about this before with like umps in baseball and, and refs for different things. It's like, how many play reviews do we want to have here? How many? And if you're not going to do that, then there's going to be an element of human error in the game. And that is what makes it part of it interesting, right? Where there's a call or there's a controversial play or, or whatever. That's part that adds, that doesn't take away from the game, that adds to the game, right? Even if you're on the losing end of it sometimes, you'll be on the winning end of it another time. So it, I've, I've found through hockey, I, I when I think back to like the games I played, I don't think like I overall got screwed by the refs most of the time. It's like, no, you get some, you, you win some, you lose some, you, it goes your way, it doesn't. And that's just part of the game. But that's, that's the first thing with the, from the parenting perspective, and the coaching perspective, especially because you're the adults, it's like you got to be able to just calm down, man. Like you have to just let it slide because at the end of the day, nothing you say or yell or do is going to change the call that was made. And then 
your players or your kid or whatever, they, that's that gas on the fire thing too, right? Especially in youth when it's like they're young and they see the coach is freaking out. Now they might start to freak out. Or if a parent starts freaking out, the kid thinks it's okay to throw a tantrum or whatever. And it's just a bad, just a bad thing to be passing around a team environment where it's like we snap on the refs whenever there's a problem. It's just not a good habit to get into because for hockey purposes, but then just life purposes, like you don't want to be in the habit of just snapping every time something goes wrong or if somebody cuts you off on the road or if whatever, like snapping all the time is just not the answer for life in general. So especially when it's youth, right? And then the point you made about the normally it's kids that are refing youth hockey and it's like kids that are young and they're in Kids are my buddy, Paul Liute. My friend, Paul Liute, he's 60... I'll probably insult him here. He's 60, 100. <laughs> no, he's 60 some years old, 61, 60, 63. And he did house league hockey and did it, did some youth stuff. He didn't want to do anything more. He just wanted to get out there, get involved. He's 62. Yeah, right. His right. brother was a NHL all star goalie, by the way, Mike Lee. But this guy just loved to coach and get, give back. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like yeah. these, are, you're getting, you're getting people that are either volunteering their time, getting paid little, their kids that are, that have a, a, a part-time job or whatever to make some money. It's like, they're not all-star refs, man. So just calm down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I just said, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to, and, and it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, you ever, even if we do our three on three, if we, I happen to be like a pretend ref for a little bit, I can't tell a trip. I can't tell. I, well, I mean, can tell obvious, obvious stuff, but when it's close, I'm like, I personally wouldn't want to be the guy that has to make a split decision on an offside or uh, a, a hook when it's important or whatever. I wouldn't even know how to do it. So, like, that's one thing is, like, just take it easy on them. Take it easy on the refs. We need them. And um, just understand who they are and, and what they're there for. It's amazing to me to see an adult lose their mind on a ref. Absolutely amazing. And it's, it's been unbelievable. You've seen the guys banging the glass and shatters. getting kicked out of rinks <laughs> and calling them everything in the book and this little kid or this whatever age, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Losing your mind. It's, it's amazing. So uh, what, what I would say to parents and coaches and players, right? This, the, the ref is like, again, mindset, mental toughness, all that stuff. Number one is control what you can control. Yeah. And the ref being really good or really bad is totally 100% out of your control. And, and if you understand that going in, it, it becomes a little bit easier. So as a player, um, if, you know, that's something that Adam Bennett said for players, parents and coaches is if you can, if from a mindset perspective to keep yourself sane is, you know, going into a hockey game that there's most likely a chance that the ref might make a mistake or make a call that you're not in favor of most likely. So if you know that going in, you got to accept it. Like that's going to happen and then deal with it. So you're not snapping. Yeah. Because like the problem is, is that if you put yourself so emotionally involved in your child's game or like I'm talking from a parent's perspective, then that's where you freak out. But so expect the mistake. And then honestly, like Adam said, just laugh at it, just like laugh at it. And it's like, what are you going to do? And as a parent, come on, man. Like it's 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 not, it's not going to change your world. Yeah, because it's like then it starts to leak into the rest of your game or the rest of your day or like your kids, the ref at your kid's game made a bad call and that's going to ruin the next six hours of your life. It's like, dude, it's okay. Like, it's going to be okay, you know? And I think the the other thing maybe to touch on is that 
he mentioned like the hometown ref thing. And I don't even know, like, I don't really know what to think about that. I remember when I was a kid, we would, whenever we went to London for some reason, it was like the refs seemed like they were just always trying to screw the other team. And I don't remember if it was actually that, or if it was that everyone said that. So we thought as a kid, I thought, Oh yeah, they're trying to screw us or whatever. And it's like, you don't need to set yourself up at a disadvantage already because you're going in thinking the refs are going to screw you, you know? So I don't really know about the hometown okay, ref. Thing. Okay. Like, what so do you think of that? This is, yeah, I, I, this is, this is where I think adults need to just, this, these are adults that do that or, or, or kids that are trying to find excuses. Yeah. This is what I mean. Several times in a hockey game, I'm just going to change gears a little bit. Several times in a hockey game, you'll hear someone say, that kid won't pass to that guy. Yeah. Just watch. Just watch. He won't pass to that guy. He doesn't like him or he's jealous or whatever. Okay. So I, I'm going to say you probably didn't play a lot of hockey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. I, I'm not being, I'm not being a, an asshole here. I'm going to say that though because when you play the game of hockey, you might know that I might know, or I do know you're my right winger. Okay. I, I know that. All right. But things happen so fast, even for the young, young, young kids, it happens fast. And to process, Oh, I like, here's a play. If you see it that fast and to process, Oh, it's Eric. I'm not passing to him. Cause I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> does not happen. It, you might see someone do a selfish play a two-on-one, or maybe they can move it, but they think they can get the breakaway, or, you know, I'm use, talking youth hockey. Yeah, yeah. That you might see a, maybe a selfish play, but you're not seeing a play that I'm not passing him because I don't like him and he's a jerk and, his, you know, his dad's got a big nose or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not what's going on in their head. They're just making plays. And I would say that's 99.9% correct. Absolutely. I, I haven't seen a kid that would say, I will not pass to this person. I haven't seen it. I know a lot of parents will say, or I know we got some comments probably that, oh, no, no, there's kids like that. I play with one. It's like, okay, but I, I, I doubt it. So when you talk about the hometown refing, come on. Like when the, well, we use it. We even have parents that say it's just funny, eh? When we're at home, our home ref, own refs are against us. It's like, well, no. I'm going to use that same example as these kids are under pressure. They're not trying to screw anybody. You, you, you think a 14-year-old a boy or a 21-year-old kid going to college or whatever is sitting there and going, okay, I'm going to cheer for – I'm going to make sure London wins this game. What does he care, right? Unless his brother's on it, but well, he wouldn't care that much. And do you think that he wants to make a call that he knows 40 people in the stands are going to be yelling and screaming at him and the coach? Guaranteed no. So I don't think there's hometown um, – what do you call it? Hometown homers. Yeah, the homers. Homers. Yeah. I don't think so. And if there either. is, if there is, there might be. Yeah. But I don't. I don't see it. It's and not game, enough it goes, for it to be a known like. This it's is too, for it sure. goes too. The game is too fast, man. I know. There's too many things going on. You got so many variables. So I, I would say, I would say no to that. Well, even the even the at the U16 level or as they get older in AAA, when it starts to be guys that are between my age and your age that are or our age that are refs. It's the same principles still apply. Of course and it they've is. they've refed way more games yeah. by that point too, right? So it's like they're not gonna be worse. Okay, so you know? there's there's a there's a ref a couple refs in the OHL, just like when I played, that when I when I see them refing, and I'm not saying because they're gonna go against Guelph. That's not what I'm saying. But I know it's gonna be probably very, very poorly officiated. Mm -hmm. Just as, as the way it's been. Yeah. And it's like it is what it is, but they're not cheating yeah. against a team or they're not pushing for a team i know that for a fact have you have you seen that that way to go paul video 
it's a it's a it's a it went viral it was a dad is at a hockey game and he's losing his shit i don't remember for sure if it was on a ref or on a coach or what it was but this guy's standing at the glass smacking it oh is that the one where it falls it shatters yeah. yeah the glass shatters and then you just hear a lady in the back she's like way to go paul or whatever <laughs> and so it went it yeah. went it went viral yeah i saw it because it's like until that glass shatters that guy doesn't realize how much of a goof he looks like the moment that glass shatters it was like oh now you see like how ridiculous your but behavior he, he, is he walked in there he walked out of there with a pretty confident stride though i don't know i don't no, remember that part i'm of just this. saying it's like he had to keep his pride intact oh i'm sure i'm sure yeah, he yeah. did but on some level it's oh, like 100%. i just shattered the glass at a youth hockey game you know and that's kind of the take home i want the the parents to think of like when you're losing your shit or when you're pacing back and forth like i was at a game a couple of weeks ago and one of the dads is like pacing back and forth so intently watching every time the play goes it's like both hands on the face like just losing it and it's like just think about what you look like right now man crazy where does craziness come from man it's, it's when you start or, or mental weakness comes from you lose your emotions yeah. when you when you focus on things that are out of your control and you're watching your son play hockey daughter play hockey whatever it is it's not in your control man the refs it's like your right life is not actually getting ruined Right, and there, and there's no thing that's gonna happen. This is the the part that I feel like gets lost. There's not one thing that's gonna happen in one game, one day, or one decision you're gonna make yep. that is going to be so consequential to your kid's development or whatever. Whether that's the coach they have this year, the skills they learn or don't learn, the ref in the game, they lost a tournament, they got screwed out of the playoffs, whatever. Like, there's nothing. There is nothing. That will be so consequential that it's going to ruin that, you know? And that's the thing you got to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could be in a championship game. Like, and, and I understand where parents will go, yeah, but, yeah, but. But it's like you could be a championship game, championship game of a silver stick tournament. It's the biggest thing in your life, and a ref makes a bad call, and it ruins the game for you. It's still not going to end your life. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't. You, no. should, you should. like, And, of course, you're going to say, you know, use the cuss words. Look how proper I am today. Yeah, yeah. Using cuss words, and you're going to be upset and stuff, but, like, it's okay. Uh, just a couple more things here. Uh, I, when I coached, I told my players, this is a rule that I had. Zero. I don't want, not only for the rest, but for the other team, because they're young, right? Zero. You, I don't want you to say boo to a ref ever unless I ask you to go to ask him a question. You do not talk to the ref. If he says hi to you, how are you doing? Yes, you can be polite, but you do not talk to them. Okay. Uh, and I said, as far as the other team goes, you do not talk. I don't want any chirping whatsoever. And I told them that when you chirp another team, um, you, you're just giving them power. That's all you're doing is if you start doing that, then you, you might, it might fuel them. I'm not saying it will give them power, but it could fuel them to, to get back at you. So you just go play your game, do it quietly, do it well, play hard, right? Um, I, I just don't know. I've never seen, even for coaches, I, I don't know when it would ever do you any good to be screaming and yelling at a ref. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I know that, you know, once you get to OHL college and pro, there's some there's some coaches that really, really give it to them, like all game and every day. But I still, I, I'm not going to be a, um, I, I'm not going to be a believer that that's going to be helpful. I don't see how it would be. Like if I'm yelling at you all day for everything you do, I think in the back of your head at some point, when you get a chance to, to you know, to knife me in the back, it's coming. So I, I just feel like it's almost like a good captain doesn't speak all the time. 
He knows when to do it and, and so that there's some effect for it, right? A motivational speech every five minutes gets old real fast. So it's the same with a coach just yapping. You know, coaches and players yapping at a ref all the, time, it's, all the time. It's like at some point you're getting it back and you're not making any friends. So I just feel it's very effective. To, and of course, there's going to be times you're going to be upset. Your job's online. I get that. But I just feel like you're going to get a lot farther with honey. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and that's how it's like that in any anything in life. If you go to work and your b- boss is barking at you all day, it's the same thing. You you feel the same way. If you're a player and your coach is yapping at you all day, or you're the ref and the coach is yapping at you all day, at a certain point, you're just like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? All so, day. For so sure. It's like just get out of my grill, man. Yeah. And so I don't want to help you. I don't want. In fact, I'm going to do whatever I can to spite you now because you're pissing me off. And that's just a human thing that happens in those interactions. And people know that. And then all of a sudden they just forget in sports that it's like those human things don't exist anymore. So you're, just, you're not helping your case when yeah. you do that stuff, you know? So again, coaches, I would just suggest don't, don't speak, keep it really quiet. Um, and then another example for the coaches, and I would say this for the parents as well. And I think you kind of addressed this a little bit is when you, when the, who's the leader of the team, the coach? Who's the leader of a family? Your your parents. So if they see your parents or a coach at every little drop of the hat, lose their shit, make a fool of themselves, or snap and lose their emotions, then they don't feel like like why shouldn't I? Like why why am I, why do man. I have to be in control and that you're not? So being an example for your players, being a, a example for your kids if you're a parent is important. And then when you understand. Like, like I said, if you can keep your emotions in check and understand that that's not you playing and, and, and control what you can control, the refs aren't what you can control, that message can be always sent down to the kids. So when they slam their stick because they got a bad call or the, it was offside, it's a great opportunity for coaches to teach the simplest and one of the most effective things in life is to con- control what you can control. And you could use that 50 times in a game. Yeah. That was offside. Okay, boys. Let, and, and I use the term when, when um, you know, Adam always said, when he was doing our uh, podcast, he said, you know, to laugh at it. And that's one tactic. What I used to say is get it back because it keeps you in a positive frame. So if you get a, a terrible offside call, you could yell at the ref or you could, or the kids could yell at the ref or show emotion. But as a coach or as a leader, you can say, okay, boys, it's out of your control. Okay, out of your control. Let's just get it back. And it puts you a positive spin so they can go attack again instead yeah. of being in a in a in a negative frame yeah man the, does that make sense oh yeah the you will set the tone whether you're a parent whether you're a parent a coach whatever leader you are you set the tone of the environment and the environment shapes everybody's behavior so if the team is bought into a certain style of behavior that's going to be because the coach set that tone if at your house there's a bunch of problems with your kids you're the ones that are setting the tone. Like you're the one setting the example for the most part. Obviously there's certain circumstances that are exceptions. Like if a kid has a condition for something and he's not going to listen to the rules, then whatever. But in general, assuming everyone is functioning normally, then you set the tone. You're the one that's at the front of the room. You're, if you're the teacher in the class, you set the tone. The class will respond to your voice based on your behavior they'll get away with what they can get away with because that's what kids do. They try to find the lines. But if you're not leading by example, if you're not setting the tone of that environment, then the kids are going to be whatever 
whatever you allow. So if you're somebody that's constantly losing their shit, even if you say to them, guys, don't lose your shit, or you need to keep your emotions in check or whatever, and you say the words, but your actions don't follow that, then your words mean nothing. Your words don't mean anything. So if you find you don't have good control over your guys or you at your house, your kids are out of the loop or at school, if you're a teacher, your classroom is out of control, look at you first because you're the one that can set that tone, right? And it's important. People don't understand that. And you have a lot of control over that. And that is going to, the environment is going to dictate the development of the kids that are in it. That is what is going to happen. And it's not even just kids. It could be a company environment. It could be whatever the environment is. That's 100%. And that's like what, why we, I love how, what we have here, because we set that tone and everybody that comes here consistently is the same. When it's time to dial in, we dial in. When we are having a time to goof around, guys goof around. When it's fun, it's fun. When it's serious, it's serious. And that's because the expectation is set from the top down, you know? And so it's important to keep that in mind when you're in that role. Yeah. yeah like the, the parents and the coaches, like is a... I read this a long time ago is that you, you speak so loudly that I cannot hear what you're saying. It just simply means you yap a lot, but what you do is not matching your talk. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's one thing to tell your kids to keep it, keep it in check. Don't lose your shit. But if you're not doing that, then they're not going to follow. Uh, so just to reiterate on that, bad calls, things don't go your way. You know, Jocko Willing says when things don't go well, then good, good because there's different opportunities. And you know, what I was saying is, when things don't go your way and bad calls, it's just simply get it back or like Adam says, laugh at it and move forward, re-engage and refocus. And it's actually, it's, it's not just words. That's actually very, very critical because it's very easy to dwell on it because you put yourself in that negative mindset, right? And, and you're thinking about the bad call and now you go on that and you, you're giving the ref the, the mean mug and all this stuff and you're, you're angry, you're playing a different mindset. It's a different player. Mm-hmm. So just learn how to, let it go and, and get focused. Yeah. So I'm going to attach that Jocko video. Good. Uh, that's one of my yeah. favorites. Oh, it's the best. I watch it very frequently. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. So and maybe on that thread, we can stick with the parenting thing a little bit. And um, I know we talked about it a little bit about kind of like the behavior in the stands. And and this is this going to go back to the, the perspective thing, right? Is being able to keep perspective. The refs is one example of the being able to keep perspective as a parent when you're watching. Um, but I remember I played with a kid and his, his mom in the stands was mental, like to the point where his dad wouldn't ever stay, like sit with his mom or be near his mom during the games because she would lose it. Like there'd be fights that it was crazy. And right up until I played with him in university too. Right. And she's, she's a great lady too. Like there's a, she's a family friend, like awesome person, but she's just in the heat of the game. Like she just gets going, you know? And I think it's important that when, when parents are watching, they're able to, especially at certain levels, it's like you got to be able to see the level for what it is, you know? So maybe we can stick on the kind of the parenting behavior in the stands and that kind of thing during the game, if you want to throw some thoughts on that. Yeah, like, here's the thing, man. It's, it's again, you're around other people. You don't know who these people are or who they're going to be. And yeah, I've said this to seriously. my, I've said this to my players too, right? Like, because, you know, like around here, we have the two teams that compete, like the two AAA teams. It's Windsor and Sun County, and they hate each other. Yeah. When I coached in Detroit, it was, I had a camp. did a camp, and there was a lot of bell tire, honey-baked, and uh, um, compuware kids. Yeah. And I said, okay, we'll do this, this, this. And they were they were fuming with me because they hated each other. Bell tires with bell tire. And it was, I think you might have been at that one or 
I know they were younger than you. But anyways, uh, and I told the junior, the kids when they go into junior, I said, it's guys, I know you hate each other's guts, but I said, I want you to watch my junior skate or my pro skate. What happens is this guy, you you might be a teammate one day in two years. Three I say years. that all the time yeah. to our guys. There's a, there's a chance yeah. that if you're good enough that you might be a teammate and you're And then you, you're going to have to train with each other because if you're going to be, you're going to be only a few people at every age group that get to move on to another level. So whatever. So it's the same with the parents. People are around. You never know who it's going to be. And that parent might end up being on the same. If your kid's really good, they might be on the team Canada together. You might be on, uh, uh, you know, the own sound attack together, whatever they, that, that might be a thing. You get to know each other. And do you want to be remembered as the guy that lost their shit? And that was an idiot because stay away from me or you have to apologize for life. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing is that, they, again, they're kids, man. They're kids. Like in youth hockey, they're kids. So I remember very, well, obviously very clearly because it would happen to me. I was very, uh, I tried to stay away from people. And I did that because I didn't want to hear everybody's analysis, play by play of the game. I remember one of the dads said, if, the, if, 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 if he would just go to the, in front of the net and they would pass it to him, they'd score all the time. And I said, yeah, for sure. That's how hockey works. It's that simple, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I didn't want to hear that stuff, but I didn't want to hear people losing their mind. So I'd go by myself. So one game, Charlie was playing and the game before he took a, a, a knee and he was, he had to leave the game later in the game, but then he was good for the next game. So he was angry. He was like, better, you know, what Charlie is. Mm-hmm. So a kid was coming down, he was kind of hooking and stuff. So Charlie turned around and he pitchforked him. And I mean, he should have got life. No question about it. Like, I, I said it to my wife. I said, oh, he's done. But the refs gave him a five-minute for whatever reason. The guy beside me was standing about 10 feet behind, beside me, started yelling how he's an asshole. What an asshole kid and all this stuff. So I tried to keep my calm. So I let him do it a couple of times. And then I said, hey, 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 dude. So that's that's my kid. I said, just, nah, no more. So he goes, yeah, but this. And he kept going. I said, dude, that's enough. So I think he was, like, kind of backed off a little bit. And I told him, I said, that's the nicest kid you're ever going to meet. I said, he's mean on the ice, but he's the nicest kid. I said, easy. So uh, that was the end of that. But it's like, I don't like that guy. Oh, yeah. yeah like, it's not because it was my kid. It's like, you don't you sit there and call a kid an asshole. Or how about when the call goes, like, it's a kid. You don't know anything about them. It's a kid. And why are you so involved in that? And, and, and now the next thing is, it's their sport. It's their game. It's their emotions. Is you have no business freaking out and getting all emotional and mm-hmm. yelling at people. It's their game. It's their emotions. It's out of your control again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the other thing is when you'll see a, a parent losing it when their team gets hit, let's say, or get a bad call. But if it yeah. goes the other way, they're cheering. Yeah. So, <laughs> it makes like, no let's, sense, so man. Like, let's, let's, I'm going to pull that apart a little bit. So, like, so that's, I like that example because it's a, it's a, a, a dirty play. That's why I like that this example, the one where Charlie Spears the guy, right? Because this yeah, is it like was. I, I, I'm the first one, and I was there. Right on the on the second, I said, "Oh, there's life." Right, but the, going but to prison. Is, but this is a good example because it's the extreme, right? Because anything less than this, like if we can rationalize the extreme example, then anything less than this is even more nonsense. So if you're a grown adult, so you're between the ages of 30 and 50, and you're watching or older, and you're watching a kid's game, and in the heat of a game, a kid spears somebody. Okay. Now, should the kid have done that? No, he shouldn't have. Was the kid's intention to try to hurt the kid? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Let's say maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. After 
at, for the most part, kids that are on the ice, I remember be, as a player, nobody wants to see anybody actually be hurt for a long time, right? So even if in the moment it's like, I want to hurt this guy, if the kid actually ends up being hurt, nobody likes that. On either team, you might get the odd nutcase that likes that. But for the most part, the 99% again, we're not trying to make anyone hurt for a period of time. You might want to give them a stinger or something that is painful for a second, but if anyone's actually hurt, no, none of the players want that. So if I'm a dad watching and I see a kid pitchfork a guy, and my, my reaction to that is to cuss out a 14 or 15-year-old from the stands with a bunch of other grown adults near me, then we need to stop and do some analysis on our behavior as a grown-up, okay? If you were to be walking through Walmart and a kid knocked over a shelf and something exploded and spilt on you because they knocked it over and you sat in Walmart screaming at a 15-year-old because he knocked something over in Walmart or made a mistake, what would happen? Because this is a similar situation to that, right? So as a grown-up, you're, you're screaming at a minor because of his on-ice behavior that in the heat of the moment happens. Stuff like that happens, right? So not to mention the fact that you don't know if his dad is right next to you. You don't know if there's, like you made this point yesterday when we were talking about it, if there's a police officer standing two people over from you. You don't know what's going on around you. So you have to have some self-awareness because You that's, don't know if someone's sitting there with a camera. And going to put it on Facebook. Exactly, right? This is how you get these viral videos, right? So, and I'm sure that most people that are there, most of the parents, they're reasonable, but they just get caught up. So, if you can review your behavior, if you saw another parent doing what you're doing, is that actually a reasonable thing to be doing in the stands at a kid's hockey game, right? At a, we, we do the same thing at the OHL games or at the NHL games. You have like some drunk 40-year-old in the stands screaming at Dylan Larkin on the Detroit Red Wings because he's just so mad. And it's like, dude, like it's just not the way that you behave in functional society. So why is it okay for you to do it in this environment at a youth hockey game? It's not. So I'm hoping, hoping, and that's in the extreme when a kid pitchforks a guy. And we see people explode about things way less oh, yeah. potentially damaging oh, than yeah. that, right? So it's something as as parents because we see it every single game I go to, you got two so, or three. And what and, and what you're what you're actually explaining is essentially the reaction that the parents have is the exact same reaction that the kid just had. He, he's responding no differently. Kid was frustrated or lost it. My my kid at that point lost it or he just had enough and he just <clears throat> pitchforked him. And then that parent, his his reaction was pitchfork him in a different way. And you're yelling at him for being an asshole, but it's actually now you're the asshole. Right. You're the asshole. Yeah. Because at You're least just, he can say I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I'm playing, and I'm playing the game. I'm in the game. And yeah. no, no, that pitchfork. I, I don't have a problem with the parents going, "Ref, you know, ref, look what yeah, they yeah, missed," yeah. and like, right. "Come on, ref. like getting losing at the ref a little bit because someone appeared to be in a little bit of pain." Yeah, from the nuts up. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but 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 there's a reasonable amount, yeah. right? And like, did you you see that call? Like, that's that's reasonable. But to yell at a kid, come on, man! Yeah, take it out on the kid. Yeah, now, it's like right? they're just kids, and they're the ones that are playing. Yeah, yeah. So I, that this happens. It's so funny too. Like even that that class that I train in here, they got it's a great the one class is a grade eight, and they're a rowdy group. Yeah. And you would not believe like the way the teachers talk about the kid. 
Like, and hey, I, oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm all for like, some kids are a pain in the ass, man. Like, I totally understand. But at the end of the day, they're kids. And like, you chose this job. You chose the job. But these are, they're kids. And some of like the things that they say about them or like, oh, that, like these kids are, they're such assholes or like this kid is this word or this kid is this. I'm not going to go into the details of the words they say, but it's like, dude, they're kids. I understand like to a certain degree, the annoyance I can, I can, but like you're saying, there's a reasonable degree. There's a reasonable, a reasonable degree because at the end of the day, you have to be able to keep the perspective that we're talking about kids right now, you know? At uh, the the last thing I'm going to say about the parents thing is like, I actually, <laughs> I really do. Like we've talked about coaches that are maybe not necessarily the greatest coaches and all that kind of stuff before, but I, I really do want, again, parents and not, not so much the players because players, they're just kids, but give people a break. Like as far as coaching goes, give them a break. I mean, I think most people, and, and I'm not saying all, there's some coaches that go in there thinking that they're Bobby Big Wheel and they're going to for the sure. NHL. That's That happens. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, most guys are coaching and they're trying their best. And 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 look at some decisions. Like, and I, I kind of looked at that when I was reading the Nick Nurse book about like the, his perspective on some of the things. And it's like, okay, that, that makes more sense why this guy made a decision. Um, and, 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 and I look at, it's a hard job, man. You're not just coaching your kid. You know, I could watch the game. Someone could watch the game and they, they're they focused on their one child and why he should be on the part. If he was there, because my wife and I have done it. Yeah, if Charlie was, in, you know, if he, if he had that opportunity, he'd probably do well too. It's like, yeah, but it's not about him. It's about 22 guys, actually a little bit more. So sometimes a coach will make a decision. You know, I was reading the Nick Nurse book how there's times where it might be an unpopular decision. Mm-hmm. amongst a group but it was to make one person have a little bit of success and it could be building them up yeah or it could be whatever various reasons so and then and then the other thing is that let's be honest mom and dad and uncle uncle jesse what do you what do you really know about the game like and some people do but if the power play is not working what a lot of parents will say well we got to do something about that so, so if you ask the question back, like, do do what, though? What would you like to do? And they say something. Well, something is not actually a tactic. Something is not, you know, we need to break out with four guys to get the puck up there. So that's not, that's, something is nothing. So, like, before you start accusing the coach of being an idiot and not knowing what he's doing and favoring kids or whatever, you might want to look at his perspective if you have the ability to do that. It might take some intelligence. And if you don't, maybe you should just zip it. Because the coaches really do, they're not bad people most of the time. Some of them, like, they put a, you put a crest on them with a jacket and they think that they, they run the, the United States of America. But, you know, the, you give them a little bit of power and stuff. But yeah. most of them are good people just trying to help out, right, or trying to do their best. And, and no, again, co- coaches are going to make mistakes. And I look at the... The OHL level, like, I mean, you've still got parents, like, somewhat involved because they see their kids a little bit more in play. And, you know, people can freak out if things don't go their way or we have a couple of bad games. It's like they need to fix that. It's like, well, the coach knows that. He gets paid very good money. The coach, the the three coaches on the OHL bench, they know that they have to fix that. They know. So they don't need you, the guy that works at the factory or the guy that never played hockey, to explain that they need to fix that. They know. 
they do video and they're working really hard at it. So just give it a break. Yeah. And I, I think the, the other thing that I want to point out too, because this is a common, like just for the, the push, the yeah, buts, because there's a lot of those, this doesn't like the stuff that we're talking about, it doesn't excuse anybody else's poor behavior. So like you being able to give somebody a break doesn't excuse the coach for not being a good coach or it doesn't excuse the coach for having bad behavior or it doesn't excuse any of that. But it's just going to the point that, that you mentioned before of like, you cannot control that, right? So when we say, or when you say give, you want to like give people a break, give the refs a break, give the coach a break. They give, it's like, yes, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we're saying all bad refs get a free pass or all bad coaches just let them do their thing and never say anything. Like that's obviously not what we're saying. The point of it is that you cannot control someone else's behavior, no matter how mad you get about it, no matter how many times you call the coach, no matter how many times you do this or do that, they're going to do what they're going to do. So maintain an even keel about what's happening, right? Because whether they're a good coach or bad coach, whether you give them a break or you don't, it literally doesn't matter because they're going to do what they're going to do, no matter what you think you're going to say about it. You know, you want to pull your kid off the team and go somewhere else. That's fine. But guess what happens? You go somewhere else and you get the same, the same issues in a different way or a different set of issues. It's never a perfect situation, right? When it's a team, it's not a perfect situation ever, right? So I just want to, I want to point that out because I can already, when, when we're talking, I can hear the yeah buts from oh, parents sure. because they always, there's always a yeah but. Yeah, dude, right? dude, I'm a dad. Yeah. Like I'm the, I'm the hockey guy, but I'm a dad. And, and, and this is why I can relate so well to it because there are times and I have to be honest, right? Have to be honest where last year, this year, whatever, I'm like in my own head or me and my wife, I go, Charlie had that opportunity. Like, like if, if you just give it to him. But that's just dad. Yeah, it's just dad. Yeah. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it or what the coach is yeah. thinking or maybe his time's coming. So what I had to tell myself early in the in the OHL, early, is and, and I was very truthful about it, is I've, we, ha we have a general manager that's been around and, and the coach last year that's been around for 30-some years. Got professionals on the bench now that have been around for a long time. In fact, possible, well, they are, some of them, kind of, yeah, more experienced than me at coaching for sure and played high, high levels. Like both two of the coaches played in the NHL a little bit and Europe and all that stuff. So yeah, I think they know hockey. So what I had to say to myself, because every parent's crazy to a certain degree, Wayne Gretzky's dad was an absolute nut about hockey. So, you know, it's not, like I'm not excluding myself. And uh, I had to just say, you have to trust the process. You have the best people that you can ever ask for, for your son and for the team. You have to trust the process. And you know what? Doing that, T took the all the pressure off i just get to enjoy it and i don't blame the coach it's, it's, he's, he's a good coach he's a great coach the coaching staff is great and it's like you couldn't ask for any better you just trust the process and then you watch your kid flourish if he's dialed in because at the end of the day it's not up to you man it's not up to you. your kid has to mm -hmm. want it and i've had to say that it's like you know like as a youth as a youth player you know you try to give them little pieces here and there and it's like i not anymore like if you ask me for something, I'll give my opinion. But I, said, I, I go right to go to ask your coach, ask for a video. You don't, don't, I have no opinion anymore because it's out of my hands. You either want to go and do video, do extra workouts, do whatever, um, or you don't. Well, this is what I love about your perspective on it too, is because you have enough, you're honest enough with yourself to, and I think this is what's helpful for people to listen to is you're, you're, you're honest enough to 
share your dad part of it. Yep. Right. Well, that's Where, important. Man. I know because because you we don't sit we meaning you don't you don't sit here acting like you don't have the mom and dad emotions because you do right. But the important thing is recognizing those emotions and then being able to still act rationally instead of acting on your parent emotions because you have you have the protective instinct, man. You want your kids to be safe. You want them to be successful. You want them to get everything they could ever want and never be hurt and all that stuff. Like those are the parent instincts, right? The easy path. So it's, yeah, you want it to be easy. You want it to be everything is just perfect. And that's, that is the parent emotion. And so to sit and pretend like that doesn't happen would be wrong. So it's nice that the way that you explain it is I recognize my dad emotions when I'm watching and I know, I know enough to just see those there and still act like the person I am in the hockey network, right? Where you can look at it more objectively or as objectively as you can, because that, that is where the, that is where the success comes in as being a, a sports parent or a hockey parent, right? Is you have to be able to separate your mom and dad emotion from your kid just developing, right? And if you treat it like when you're watching a, a game where your kid isn't involved, what do you think of the game then? You know? And like that's kind of where you should be at when you're watching. As soon as your kid is in, it's like now all of a sudden everything's different. It's not yeah. different. Yeah. 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 So sometimes. So anyways, we want to talk about, you You had one about uh, punishing a team, coaches punishing a team. Yeah. So this one came up. I think somebody somebody wrote in something on this one and then a couple of the guys that I train were talking about the the like coaches punishing the team kind of topic. So basically what I was what I was getting at was for this is just for me personally. I don't understand why I, I don't want to say I don't understand, I get it, but I don't see the purpose of coaches like bag skating the team. So this is what happened. So just for some context, the U16 kids that I train, both the Windsor and the Sun County, both teams, they come in and train. And I always ask them like how the weekend was and whatever. And if they had a bad weekend or they lost a few games in a row, they all know a bag skate's coming, right? So they're like, yep, it's Tuesday or it's Monday night. We're getting, we're getting bagged for sure. So I don't really understand what that accomplishes as the coach. I don't really... I don't really see the point of giving your team from the coach's perspective a punishment for having a, a poor weekend or whatever, unless there's was like a total lack of effort or um, they're continually making the same mistake in practice or one of the outside of one of those two things where it's like an effort thing where it's like, it just seems like nobody's interested today. Outside of that, I don't really understand why coaches seem to just like, okay, fine, we're going to bag skate because we went 0-3 this weekend. So I don't know if you want to, is, yep. that, is that enough to start on? Yeah, there? easy. Number one, most, most, let me go more currently, current coaches that are, have a well thought out plan or understand the game or whatever, um, probably don't probably don't bag skate a lot there's probably not a lot of it and if there is a bit i'm not saying don't skate hard there's right. practices that you can do that are absolute baggers but they include hockey right right yeah that's what i'm just yeah. clear that's so what you can, I'm talking you can about. do your conditioning yeah without with, with pucks 
right? There's some very, very hard drills, including battles. Like that's, that'll do it for you. Um, but what I, my experience would, would tell me this, a lot of coaches will have a, a night designed to bag skate the kids. Just it, it's in the plan. Okay. So does that make sense to me? No, but if they're, but let's go perspective again. Sometimes they just don't know any better. They think that's how you condition a right. team. Yeah. So if, the, if that's the reason they do it, like because Charlie had a coach like that, and he thought in his mind that if I skate them hard every Monday night, then we're going to be the best conditioned team in the league. Not understand that every coach says that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we all be the same. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but there's a way, other ways of doing it. Um, so I, I, I have no problem with hard, hard, hard practices. None. That's really good for you. Uh, the bag skate, just a bag skate, like uh, designed on Monday nights, no matter what whatever but you need to have days where it's really hard the punishment bag skate i don't get that Mm -hmm. because that's where we're going right yeah so the uh, when we use the word punishment like because you didn't work hard you had a bad weekend you had a bad game you didn't back check hard i'm going to teach you how to back check if you don't want to do it in a game you're going to do it in a practice yeah (laughs) right no that's 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 That's, the way it is it's like okay all right big nose yeah (laughs) um why don't we look at it like as a coach, why can't we do, okay, we didn't have, our back checking was atrocious. So you can explain that to the guys. We lost this weekend and I'm not happy about it because our, our effort on the, on the back, on the back check in our defensive zone sucked. So we're going to work on this real hard today and we're going to do drills where it's back checking drills. It's going to be defensive zone drills and it's going to be freaking hard. It's going to be hard so that you can dial it in, but not hard because you're assholes, Hard because we've got to learn how to do this and do it hard so that when we ever get in a situation, we understand what defending is and how important two-way hockey is. We have to understand that, and that's why today we're going to work our asses off at that. Do you guys understand? And there's a tone here, right? This is why we're going to have a hard practice today, boys, and it's going to be on the thing that you didn't do well because you just didn't feel like it or you you think that the play only goes one way. So we're going to learn, and we're going to learn hard, and if you puke, you puke, whatever. I don't really care because you're going to learn how to play D-zone so that everybody gets to win or get whatever. So that's one way to do it. Yeah, so I guess, I guess this is my, kind of what I'm saying is the you guys didn't do well. I'm going to make you guys skate. There's no teaching there's no teaching and that's what i'm that's kind of what my problem is with it it's like you doing it in the way you're talking about where it's like we're gonna have a purposely hard practice a little bit because i'm annoyed with you guys and i'm still going to make sure you're learning why i'm mad at you guys or why i'm not happy with your performance or why we lost this weekend it's like if there if it comes down to a couple things like we should be I should be punishing, to use the word punishment. I'm going to punish you in a way that is teaching you, particularly at the youth levels. If you're in the NHL and you guys had a stinker weekend, and now there's it's a whole different set of circumstances. And the coach just says, okay, you guys sucked this weekend. You can go bag for half an hour now. Yeah, they can do because that. Because they know... Like, it's their job. It's their job. Yep. They, know, they already know their systems. They already know how to do everything. Everyone knows how to play hockey. It's not like they need to learn more. It's they need to do a better job executing. So it's like if you're, if you're going to make those guys bag skate, then fine. But if it's, we're talking like junior, even junior and youth levels, it's like they need to be taught still. So if you're going to waste an hour of your two practices a week, or you're going to waste two hours of your four practices a week, if you're in junior, just bag skating for the sake of bag skating, it just seems like purposeless waste of time. And the kids don't even get it. 
like the kids will say like when they're in here, they're just like, yeah, I know we're going to get bagged because we didn't have a great weekend. Yeah. But well, some like, of the coaches think it's cool. I, and that's the, right it's, it's the power trip thing, yeah. right? So there's that part of it too. Yeah. So when coaches say like, so using word punishment, so let's just say it was like, I, as our example has been the, the, the back checking or the four checking, the hard work wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. So if you're going to punish the kids, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit harder on the coaches. Now, if you're going to punish the kids, you have to also take some responsibility. Because you were on the bench that day, you were on the bench. So what 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 is your repercussion for not having them work hard? Because you could have you could have put lit a fire under each of their asses, or you mm-hmm. could have said, you know, like, or you could did you teach for the last two weeks what you wanted? Did you spend any time on effort? Like you can't just already say, well, like, oh, it's all the kids all the time. Yeah. So that's why I, I'm not a fan of just a straight up bag skate. There should be some teaching, and there should be a responsibility on each end. So for example, the kids aren't working hard. It's like, I don't know what I got. Maybe I didn't get you guys going. It's okay to do that. But we have to figure this out together. We're both getting, you yes. know what I mean? Very, 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 very important because the kids can, you can't just kick the kids down because that's the easy target. Yeah. Right. And it's, but it's okay to, it's okay to lean on them hard, but it's, it, it, but as a leader, it's, it's good to say, okay, you could say that you guys didn't perform, but uh, how am I saying this? I want to share some of the responsibility because obviously I didn't do my job well enough to get you prepared. So we're going to get this going. Right. So the, now the next perspective would be, I, have I ever bag skated a team? Yes. Well, am I contradicting myself? No, because sometimes a coach has, has no other choice yeah. or no, the other choice is just to say, pack your bags and leave. Right. But what, what, so when, when I did, this is a funny story actually. So we had, I had a, a young team and we were getting ready for a big playoff run. Like it was like they, they accomplished something that they actually um, didn't have the talent to do. And 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 st- and so I had them the year before, and it was this, this, the second year that I had them. I told them at the beginning of the year, you guys won everything last year. So this year, like last year, we under, went under the radar. We weren't ex- ex- expected to win as every level, right? Winners, you, you get up for those games. So I said, this year, you're going to have guys – that know who you are and they're going to want to beat you. You're going to get everybody's a game. You're going to get the first goalie. Most likely you're going to get a games. So be ready. So it was kind of like, it was a real, real, not real challenge, but it was a lot more challenging to get these guys to play that year, to work hard. Cause they thought they were good now. Very common. It happens in the NHL, happens in junior. You think guys are good. It's like, Oh boy, we got issues here. So we got near the end. It was a, this big playoff thing. And we're, uh, it was, we're leaving in two days and the the practice was just like garbage. Like they were, so I, I, I went to my assistant coach. I said, these guys are off today. I said, they're not working hard at all. He goes, no, I know I'm, he was pissed off. I said, called them in. I said, boys, this is not acceptable. Like I said, I, if you're not, if, if, if you don't, if you have, if you're not good enough to do something, that's one thing, but when the effort's not there or you're, you're not giving it, or, or you're not paying attention. So that's not acceptable. Did that twice. And then I'm like, well, I, cause I lost it. I, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to pretend that we're going to work through this. Cause you ain't in, into it. And I'm just, I had enough. So I go, since you don't want to actually put the effort in today and you don't want to actually listen to what I'm saying, cause you are obviously doing anything, just get on the red line. I'll blow the whistle. I'll tell you what to do. Right. So that was a, I was at the end of my rope. There was nothing left to teach except yeah. for to say, I'm disappointed. You gave up on me. I'm giving up on you today. 
Right. There's one out of very, 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 like, it never happened. Well, the, but, but this there's is the, a reason. The, yeah, that's the thing. Is like you, you tried everything else. Like, you brought them in, you told them, we got to pick it up. Brought them in, told them, we got to pick it up. They didn't do it. You had, you were trying to do the thing and they just weren't having it. And then at that point, it's okay. Like you guys are giving me a middle finger so that you guys got a middle finger. Here you go. And I don't, I don't really have, I don't necessarily have a problem with that situation, but it's the default move to without trying to be the teacher, because the point you made earlier is important. It's like, if they had a bad weekend, like it's like, and they just come to practice on Monday and you bag them. It's like, it's a little bit of abdication of responsibility on the part of the coach in that situation. So it's like, if you had a part to play in it also coach, right? So if they just show up and you bag skate them, it's like, you're just saying you guys had a bad weekend, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's if like your team, your team. Yeah. If your team, your team, it's not your team when we win. And then when things go bad, you got, it's your fault. I'm the smart one. It's not the way it works. Exactly. Figure out together. And that's kind of what I'm saying is like yeah. when, when the default move is like, so this, I guess this is kind of my, to give some perspective to the coach. It's like, what are you actually accomplishing by doing the bag skate here? And to me, when I think of most situations where a coach bag skates, it's not the situation you're talking about where it's like you've tried everything and the kids aren't responding. It's usually from my experience, it's just like, okay, you guys had a bad weekend. You guys are going to be punished now because it's your fault that you didn't play well. And I don't think that's the right mindset or right perspective to have as a coach because you're the leader. Yeah. But you if know? you think if you think conditioning, if this if if you actually think, and I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm 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 saying if you think that conditioning or the bag skate for 15, 20 minutes is helpful for your team and that's what you believe, okay. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's just a different it's conversation. It's just a different yeah, yeah, a different conversation, if you, but if, it's actual punishment. Yeah, because you know. that's a different thing. Yeah. Like, because I can already see like somebody saying that exact thing. It's like, well, we do it for conditioning. Like, you think we shouldn't bag for conditioning? It's like, no. Like, if you yeah, that's, that's if you're gonna you do a hard fine. skating drill because your team is out of shape or whatever, that's just a different conversation, right? If you believe that, that's but okay. It's, yeah, it's the specific specifically about punishing the kids, right? So that's cool. Do you have anything else with that for no, the coaching? That's good. So the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up is I had another question about um, balancing multiple sports. With travel hockey. With travel right? hockey. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Well, I think I, th I think there's two ways. There's kind of two ways to look at that. One is the the question of should kids play multiple sports, which we've talked about that before, but maybe worth touching on again. And then the other is if my kid wants to be a very competitive athlete or a very competitive hockey player specifically, then where do other sports play into that and this okay. might be where i can touch on the book thing i was talking this about where before. I wanted you to. so can i so, go first before you go yeah sure go ahead okay i'm going to state the obvious it's good to play other sports that's that's just good it's good for a lot of different reasons um I, I, the other thing is depending on your age i i don't understand why you wouldn't because if you if you're i, I think that decision to only play hockey would come from a, a parent like that would be encouraged by a parent in my opinion because kids just want to play anyways. So if you're if, if you're so focused at nine years old of being an NHL hockey player and you're actually not playing hockey, you're training for hockey. You know what I mean? Yep. Training hockey, then then what are you training for? Because no one knows how I, how good you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So it's not to me. It's not. It's it's irrelevant if you're good at seven or eight. Um, that you should be dreaming of NHL stuff. Parents. So this is where parents have to come in because you just don't know. 
And it's, it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do, most yeah. likely. So training for hockey is not a good idea. Playing sports and, and um, in general is good. If, you know, if, if your son or your daughter or whatever, they will dictate how much they want to play. So by playing other sports, good for all, you know, crossover, thinking of other games. It's good for agility, good for, uh, I got, but I got some deep stuff thereafter. Yeah. Uh, so those are, that's the simple stuff. But if, the, if your kid wants to be, leans towards being, I want to train for hockey, you don't have to do one thing because the kid will take his pucks and he'll shoot pucks at his fence or in the basement or do whatever. He's going to do things on his own that are going to indicate that I, I really like to do this and this is where my first importance is, is hockey. But I love to play other sports. Other sports are good. All right. So examples of other sports that are good, it doesn't matter actually. But like, just to show a, a different perspective, let's say you wanted to play, be a hockey player, but I like jujitsu. Well, jujitsu has nothing to do with hockey. Okay, great. But I like it. So what would be good about jujitsu? Well, jujitsu would show you everything about leverage, everything about balance. It will show you everything about um, body awareness, battle, body awareness, yeah. um, um, joints, and and does that uh, battle, humility, all these things. So yeah, but what does that have to do with hockey? Everything, everything, it's the same, right? It, it, toughness. So like you get into a um, um, a jujitsu hold, right? Leverage. Well, I'm gonna say when you're old, if you get into a hockey fight, that's what that is. You leverage balance. If you're in the corners with guys, you learn how your center line works and how how your balance and your hips and all that stuff. Or if someone's on you in a corner, you learn how to roll off guys. Like, and you'll get that through jujitsu. I'm not saying go do jujitsu. I'm saying if that was a sport you decided your kid decided to pick, or your dad, your hockey, your hockey player, but your dad is a black belt in jujitsu, it's a really good thing to 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 play. If you went, if you if you decided it was lacrosse, well, that's really good. So a lot of people say it's a crossover sport. Yeah, sure, whatever. It's a sport. That's all it is. But is it good for hockey? Hundred percent. It'll teach you toughness, agility. It'll teach you the D zone more, more like like incredibly well to make you a better hockey player. If that's your purpose of playing another sport, uh, if you play. Baseball, catch, bending, you know, whatever. But I think the most important thing outside of making friends, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Like, obviously, I'm not, you know, <laughs> you make other friends. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's the simple stuff. But these are the things that people, this is something that I don't think people really think about, is injuries. If you, if you only play hockey and you're training hockey all the time, nice hips, dude. Yeah. Nice hips and shoulders Seriously. and lower back by the time, feet and ankles by the time, knees by the time you're 18, 20 years old. So, like, one of the things is it's called overtraining. And anything repetitive that you do, if you do it. Repetitive movement injuries, right. man. Yeah. Right. And, like, look at, look, like, I've, I I spend time getting the kinks out now. But that's that fishing pool thing, right? Yeah. Like, with the, when we had um, Chad yeah. from Edmonton Oilers. He was talking about the, the importance of recovery. And he goes, like, in a hockey season, you're like a fishing pole that's, you know, been fishing. And you're bent, like, this is how you are. Your hips, your lower back, and you're, you're hunched over because that's what you do. So if you never get out of that position, you're going to be like this for life. And you're going to have overuse injuries. So it's actually really important to straighten out that spine, get the hips aligned and all that kind of stuff. So you can actually walk normal and be, and have some recovery because it's not going to show when you're 12 or 13 or 19 but when you're 30 and you're walking like like that you have a lot of imbalances right yeah. so it's important to take that and, and do have the fishing pole effect and 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 then the other thing is to use your other muscles strengthen the muscles around the muscles that you haven't used and so doing something completely opposite of hockey is actually 
beneficial to you yeah. to, for, for injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah, just over, overuse injuries from competitive movements. You're just going to have uh, better overall skill if you, if you play other sports. I know that some people just can't understand that, but your skill will actually be better because you learn how to catch it. There's like, if it's a baseball, you learn how to catch lacrosse, base, um, you learn how to catch football, whatever it is, a sport, you're going to have crossover skills that are going to just make you a better overall athlete. And the better overall athlete you are will help you in your game, yeah. period, right? And then um, let's see. Uh, I guess the last thing would be emotional burnout. And I've, I've said this before mm -hmm. is you can only get so excited so often about one thing. And is it, you know, that's why we talk about where I'm not a big fan of having a hockey season and then spring hockey. It's just way too much hockey games. Your competitive spirit cannot be the same uh, in September, December, March and then June, something's got to give. So that would be a huge one. And 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 I want my, if I'm playing, I want to be dialed in and ready to go every day. When I when it comes to game time or practice time, and then you take that, right? You, you take that season, you park it, and then you get better. Mm -hmm. So having said that, you were talking this morning about the book that you're reading, yeah. and I think it really goes well with the yeah uh, with yeah. This. So I think well, just to kind of cap off everything that you were talking about the reason that the reason that it's beneficial to do those things is yeah you learn all that other stuff but then when you're in your sport environment that you care about most those other things will come automatic that's what's great about learning like that body awareness type stuff if you're using the the jujitsu example if you're used to grappling and having guys pinned up against you and you know how to leverage that and get yourself out of positions if you're in a board battle with somebody you will just do it. You don't have to think about how do I get out of the situation? It's just automatic for you now because you have that skill set built in. You've been here before, right? So that's what the benefit is of playing other sports and doing other things is that those your problem-solving capabilities become a lot better because there's a lot of crossover scenarios where you can apply something from another situation to the one you're in that you haven't seen before, right? So there's certain situations in hockey that happen more frequently in another sport right so whether if, if we stick on that example where you're grappling with somebody and you're pinned up against the mat right that happens a lot more in jiu-jitsu than it happens in hockey but it happens a lot in hockey so if you're used to being in that situation and you understand the body awareness of getting yourself out of that situation obviously it's not in the same way because someone's not trying to choke you but it's the same kind of movement patterns or body awareness that you need to have to get yourself through that situation using leverage pushing off the ground pushing off the boards whatever it is so that's what the benefit is is it comes automatic right and so this book that i'm reading again it's called range i'm about a third of the way through it so i haven't been through all of it yet so maybe i shouldn't be completely endorsing it but um it's by David Epstein. I'm going to put a picture of it again. I've mentioned it a few times the last few episodes. And I think he, I forget the other book again. I think it's I called the, it. it's, it's the it's sports, gene. sports Gene. Sports Gene. Sports Gene. Okay. So um, if you look, go on, on his website, it's here. If you're curious, I'll put the link up or I'll put a picture of it or whatever. And so it's called Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. And then the Forbes quote on it is, it's the most important business and parenting book of the year. So it's definitely available on audiobook not, not and whatever. The easiest read though. It's it's not 
it's it's not a difficult read, but it's not. There's just a lot. He makes his point and then he hammers his point. So it's like he doesn't just like make the point and move on. He like digs into the point with like a very detailed example for everything so far. So you have to hang in with it a little bit because it's like you're ready for him to move on to his next point, but he keeps going on the same thread, kind of how we get on a ramble sometimes. But it's worth reading because it's a lot of the themes are the same. And it's important because parents get fooled by early progress into thinking that it's going to set their kids up later on. And this whole book is basically explaining how you need to develop a general base of skill first before you specialize into one avenue. So, And you can apply that in any domain. If it's sports, for example, don't play one sport because you will be worse off in the long run having only played one sport. And he goes into the research on that. So it's like exactly what the long-term development, long-term athletic development plan talks about. Exactly. So if I, for example, um, and this is one of the issues with, I'm I'm a big fan of like self-teaching as well. Like I like being self-taught, but the problem with being self-taught and the reason that schooling is, is nice because they give you that foundation of knowledge of everything in school, right? So when you, you have to take classes that you don't care about, which that's annoying on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's giving you a base of knowledge about a lot of things if you pay attention, right? So similarly, even if I specify a little bit and now go into engineering, when I first started in engineering, I still got a base of education in all fields related to engineering before I specialized into software and hardware, right? So I learned a lot about mechanical engineering, which wasn't, didn't end up being what I was doing at the end of my degree, but that was valuable knowledge to have. And so basically this whole book is they're walking through examples of someone who specializes in something versus someone who gets something more general and then specializes later. And so they did examples of chess players, athletes, students, all of these different things. And what they found is that the more, if kids are successful early on in their skill development, so like, let's say they have an easier time learning because their teacher gives them hints. So it's like, they let, they help you skip steps, right? It's like, if they just show you the process early, you'll know how to do the process early, right? But the problem with that is you don't get into deep learning states of having to struggle through it where it really starts to set in why you're coming to the conclusion you're coming to. So if I just give you the procedure of how to solve a problem and then now you know the procedure, you don't really have to make the connections of why the procedure works because you already have it. You already have the procedure now, so you don't necessarily care about why the procedure works. You know, So then that is of benefit to you early on because you will see progress in whatever that domain is faster than somebody else. And this is what happens with parents is they, their kid gets a early jump in skill development, for example, because they got a skills coach when they were eight. And so they became a little bit of a better skater. Yeah, they could, they're going to be. They could they're shoot. On the ice yeah, they're on the ice more. Yeah. They could shoot the puck a little bit better. And they, so they got a jump early on. But later on, that stuff that they learned doesn't stick with them as well as the kid who had to grind through and kind of figure it out on his own or whose teacher just didn't give him the answer. Like the t- he had to figure out how to do it, the body mechanics or whatever. And an example for you is when you talk about when you were learning how to shoot, you would just be shooting pucks on your own and go, one would go off really great. And you'd be like, wow, why did that happen? And you'd be like, oh, I, okay. So when I put my stick in this position, I got, it came off really hard. When I do it this way, it didn't work. You know, whereas if the coach just tells you, no, just do it this way, this works better, then you don't, you didn't make the connection of what, of when it doesn't work, right? 
So now if a puck comes off later and it doesn't come off nice, you didn't, you didn't actually learn the fact that bringing it in here is better compared to this other thing. You only know the better option, right? So now if you get into a situation where you need to modify your shot a little bit, you don't understand those little intricacies of the skill now, right? So anyways, long-winded, but that's the, that is basically the book walks through a lot of this type of stuff. So it's really valuable for parents because it will give you some peace of mind knowing that if your kid isn't dialed in on all of the most elite skills camps and tournaments and spring hockey and whatever they're not going to be at a disadvantage long term and this book goes through the research on it like it's not just this guy says what he thinks it's like he's talking about actual studies they've done in all these different learning environments it's not just sports it's school it's everything right i don't mean to cut you off no more no yeah no more no it went to spitfires drafted 14th round I don't think he ever went to a summer hockey camp mm-hmm. or did any training whatsoever, but he played a lot of baseball and he was very, very good at it. Right. He's playing in the OHL. Yeah. And, and, and so he's good. And, and, and this is the, everything comes down to your ability to problem solve, right? Being able to perform in a game, you have to be able to problem solve so that you are applying your skills to the game situation. Right. And game situations aren't like practice. Right. So, if you, if in practice, you're only learning how to do things in practice, you don't make the connections of how to do it in the game, man. So if it's not exactly the way that, and that's something else that they found in this book, if they take researchers that are really good at one thing, as soon as they deviate outside of that, that really limited domain, their, their method of thinking breaks down because they don't know the material anymore, right? So it's almost like memorization versus being able to solve a problem, right? If you just, if you have the answers memorized, you can be really smart in that one thing because you know all the answers because you've memorized them. But if you deviate out a little bit and the game is the deviation part, right? You deviate, the game is deviating yeah. from practice. That's I would, what it I is. would even say like, this is where I, this is why as a skills coach and whatever, I, I, I don't, I firmly believe you don't need a skills coach all the time. And there's only a time and a place that you need it. And then you also need a skills coach that are actually going to help you understand yourself or, or find your deficiencies. So that's why I always use that term. You know, I, you know, how I always tell the kids, I said, you'll know when you don't do something properly because it won't feel right. When it feels right, it feels right. And if it's not feeling right, it's wrong or there's a deficiency there. And I, I was very aware of that young. So I owed Mr. Rose when he used to coach me. We used to do like basic skill drills. And I remember being maybe nine. And and because I took hockey very seriously. So we're doing our skill drills. And it was like just coming around the ice and it was turns, right? S, like an S all the way up the ice on cones. When I turn to my right, it feels left. <laughs> when I feel, turn right, it feels odd. It feels, and it bothered me. So what did I do? I was aware that it bothered me. And I was like trying to solve a problem. So it was like, is it because my stick's on this side? No. Is it, is it this? No. And what I, what I kind of realized is if I put extra, like I would turn to the left because my right was my stronger leg, that my inside leg would be proper. My balance was good. And I'd be able to push nice with my right leg. What not so good on my left. I figured that out on my own. So without solving your own problems, the, the skills coach or someone telling you what to do all the time doesn't know what you're thinking or feeling. And a lot of kids don't communicate that or they're embarrassed to, or they, the, the skills coach doesn't have the time to listen to you. So I, when I have a kid come up to me and ask questions like that, I like I take it very seriously. 
like when I'm when I'm doing this coach, it feels like this. I'm like, okay, so we try to solve that problem, but I, I I really want them to get to the core of it, and I'll give them a couple of tips on what to do. But it's like yeah. very important that they recognize it because now you can actually they now you know it's a it's a it's a it's an itch that they want to scratch. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like, and that doesn't mean you don't help the kids that's the that's the balance of being a teacher is like you want to help them but you need them to make the connection if you just give them the answer or you you help them skip the steps of the struggle of understanding why then they can't use that later you know and so this is where again back back to the book they were saying like the cross disciplines is super helpful because you have more experiences to draw from to make connections that will solve a novel problem that you're facing in a game right so if, if it's something that you never really do in hockey practice, but you can pull from the experience that you had at football practice, you might be better in that situation now because you have that experience over here, right? If I want to start an e-commerce store, is it necessary that I have a expert level understanding of accounting? No, but it'd be good if I knew something about it, right? So I can balance the, the profits. I know how to set it up financially and I know where I'm making a mistake versus not. I at least have some awareness, right? So now I can, it's easier for me to solve the e-commerce problem with a little bit of understanding of accounting. You know, does that mean I did a full deep dive on accounting? No, but I, I dabbled. I did a little bit of it, right? And so early on, parents are very, very quick to specialize their kid, you know, maybe because they see a little bit of potential, maybe because they, whatever. But one of the things that he ended off, the chapter I just finished last night, actually, he ended off um, saying that the coach-player interaction will probably outlast any skills that the kid learns off that coach. Especially young. Especially young. That's 100%. What it's for. I'm talking young, right? 100%. So if you, have a, if you have a fantastic skills coach when your kid is 8, 9, 10, 11, the way that coach treats your kid will last longer than the skills he teaches your kid, you know? And that's a very important thing to keep in mind because that gives you freedom now as a parent to not think if I don't do this, I'm going to be screwed or I'm going to be stuck or whatever. And you know, another, so the guy, back to the guy's question, he was asking about balancing, trying to balance travel hockey and, and other sports. If we start with the understanding that the kids should be playing other sports, they should be doing other things. They should take music lessons or, or not even music lessons, play an instrument, like draw, do other things than just playing sports or specifically one sport, that is better. When it comes to balancing it, the, the thing that I, I like to say is you have time for what you make time for. Everybody says they're too busy for everything, right? So if you have watched 15 episodes of Netflix in the last three days, it's like, how busy are you, right? So show me your schedule. I'll, t- I'll tell you if you're too busy, you know? So if you want to balance the schedule, you have to make time to balance the schedule. That's the, that's the thing. If you have to cut out an extra hockey practice because you want to play baseball, you have to. That's what you have to do, right? You're going to have time for what you make time for. So for it to be balanced, you have to balance it. It's not going to balance itself. There's no magic schedule you can have that would just be optimally balanced. There's always trade-offs, right? You're going to have to cut something if you want to balance something else. And the younger they are, the more reasonable that is. I had another dad comment. My kid really, or not my kid, he said, I like having my kids take two months off of hockey in the summertime to play other sports and do other things, play baseball and whatever. But I'm feeling the pressure that my kid needs to be in spring hockey or he's going to fall behind. He's not going to fall behind. Outside pressure. So, so that was another example I was going to use mm-hmm. with this. Um, 
Well, no, it was more along the spring hockey. We we're talking about that. So with, with spring hockey, people think that they have to be on the ice. Like more is better. Uh, I need more hockey games, this and that, or else I fall behind. Okay. Well, what happens if in the middle of the season breaks his ankle or has a high ankle sprain or he's out for three to six weeks? When he comes back, is he a terrible hockey player? No. No. He needs, you know, he's got to get his... He needs the recovery. The recovery. Yeah. And then within two, two, three ice times, he's maybe not in the exact same condition, but you could do something about that. For sure. And you could come back and play hockey and you're never any worse. And it is just so important to me that you play other sports, even just from a reference point. Like, like when we do our shooting camps, right? I use boxing as... Listen to this, fellas. In shooting camps for hockey, I use boxing as a reference point all the time. Really? How the hell is that? Well, like, first of all, you have um, everything in, in, in boxing. You don't just, if you think of a punch, you don't throw with your shoulder out. You're not going to, you couldn't dent a wet bag of diarrhea with that. <laughs> it's got to come from somewhere, right? Hips. <laughs> hips, right? Your hips turn. It comes from your, right from your balls of your feet. And there's a, there's a torque and then it's a rotation and it's a follow through. Right? That's the same thing as shooting a puck. It doesn't come, you don't shoot pucks like this. It comes from like weight transfers. It comes from hips, comes from toes, comes from shoulders, hip torque, follow through. So if you go to punch, so a lot of times we'll say with a kid and shooting a puck, it's like you're not following through. This is how I want you to follow through. You know, tuck your chin, follow through, all that shit. And uh, okay, they don't do it. I say, okay, watch this. If you if I punch you in the head right now to here and I just raise your chin like that, will that do any damage? No. If I go and I put everything into it and go through your head, it's not going to be a difference. I go, yeah, that'll hurt. I go, okay, same with shooting a puck. Same thing. So there's all these different reference points that you can use if you use other sports that you can. It's not just it doesn't have to be about hockey. Yeah. You know, you go into boxing, skipping. You know, if you, if you just take boxing for example, um, you're on the balls of your feet all the time. You're, you're, you're hopping around, you're bouncing, you're, you're, you're using that quick quickness, your calves, right? Your stomach, but you're using that, that, th those quick feet. And it's so beneficial to that quick, that quick twitch. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. important, man. Well, and, and I think the, I guess my moral of my story here for that, the guy that left that comment too, is like, I like my kids to do other things during the summer. It's like, you're bang on, man. You're bang on. You're not going to fall behind. You're even, even if they do fall behind, they won't behind. fall behind. Right. Behind. Even if at the start of the next season, there's kids that are better than your kid that isn't behind. It's behind today. It's not behind when it matters and when it, it doesn't matter until later. Right. So that if, as long as the development continues, as long as they keep practicing and they keep playing the sport and whatever, it evens out, man. And people don't, they have a really hard time when they're in the moment seeing that. And just as the wrap up for me, if you need or want something else to convince you that isn't just me telling you, this is a great resource for that so far in what I've read. I've read a third of it. And it's a, it's a great resource in talking about these exact things. If you don't like to read, there's, you can get it on audiobook, you can get it, whatever, um, where you, you don't have to actually read the words, but it's worth hearing it from someone who's looked through research on it too, right? So your subjective opinion about, well, I can see my kid getting better. You're going to, they're practicing, right? You're going to see the progress, but that doesn't mean it's long-term going to last, right? And the thing they, they call it in the book, it's a fade out effect. It starts to fade as time goes on. The initial benefit that you've seen is going to fade away. And we see that all 
time, man. I see it with, I remember kids I used to play with, the kids that were the best when I was 10, 11, 12. The three kids that were the best when I was 10, 11, 12 didn't even play hockey when I was 16. So it's like, it all just is fluid. It changes really fast. So as long as your kid keeps practicing to whatever degree they want to practice, more isn't always better. Forcing them to do things and to train when they're eight, nine, 10 isn't going to last the interactions they have with their coaches end up being more impactful than the skills, right? Or their ability to put it in a game. I haven't read, I haven't read that book. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it to you when I'm done. Yeah. So you can buy it. It's fine. I like reading. It's a, it's a good, it's, it's really good. And it helps just reinforce kind of the, the perspective thing we're talking about. Right. And I think just to, to on, on the wrap up of it is, is exactly that as the, the coach, the parents, it's like, you have to be able to keep the perspective. You have to just zoom out and think about, what you're doing, when you're doing it, how you're doing it. Because most of the time, the craziness doesn't make a difference, doesn't matter, won't matter next year, won't matter next week, won't matter in two years. It won't matter. So all this extra emotion, all the swings of the highs and lows, the anger, the frustration, all of that, or the overwhelming joy you feel that your kid won the tournament and he was the MVP. We don't know what that means yet, man. So just, you have to keep it in perspective, you know? Yeah. So that's 100%. what I got. Anything else to finish on there? Oh, good. I think no. we, uh, we've taken up a lot of your time, Eric. Yeah, we beat that to death for sure. <laughs> so, okay. okay, leave it there. See you guys.